Father, we just thank you, God, for today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are here. You're with us, Lord. You're, you're for us. Lord, that no matter what happens to us, God, you're with us. Lord, I thank you that the word of God is true and that your faith, God, is alive, that you are alive. There's hope in you. There's rest in you. There's peace in you, God. We know that what you have for us is better than what we are at right now, Lord. So thank you that you've given us a, a pathway of victory, Lord, that we're on the right side of history, God. We're, we know what's going to happen in the end, God. We know we, we get to rest with you. And in the meantime, between now and then, God, we pledge our love. We pledge our allegiance. We pledge our hope, God, in you, knowing that you have the best things for us. I thank you, God, for the clear vision of my life the clear vision of our lives, Lord, to serve and honor you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Do me a favor, give God a hand clap, a praise real quick. And then you may be seated. And um, man, we're so glad that you're with us today. Thank you so much for being here at Rise. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to uh, meet you or connect with you, I'm the senior pastor here. My name is Aaron. And uh, on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our pastors, we're so that glad that you're with us. You took some time out to meet with us and, and connect with us. It's, uh, it's going to be a great, great Sunday. You're here starting with a brand new series called Seeds. Everybody say Seeds. And uh, we're going to talk about why, um, why seeds are so important and all throughout Scripture and why they're important to God. And uh, it's going to be amazing. In fact, we're, when you leave here today, we're actually going to give you a packet of seeds. And they're all different. So, you know, some are partially, some are uh, sage or whatnot. And uh, you can actually have different seeds that you can plant inside of your own house. And just to give you a little idea, just a little reminder. How many of y'all know it's good to have just a reminder throughout the weekend of uh, the week of what God teaches us and talks to us about? And uh, you can have that uh, just as a little fun little reminder as you're walking out today. And then um, also in conjunction with our brand new series, we are doing a, a small group launch, which starts today. And uh, it's going to be amazing. And if you have not been able to get a part of a small group or be a part of some place where you are actually in a small group, you need to know this. We vet all of our small group leaders so that it's not a weird uh, kumbaya time where they grab the guitar and they hijack the whole time and pretend to sing. Um, that's not how we do things here. And uh, it's a fun group. In fact, all of our groups are pausing their normal groups and they're going to be doing a church-wide campaign group with our series. So the group will be discussing what we talk about on the weekend. So you can walk in and have a really great opportunity to do that. And then in conjunction with that, we are um, um, actually asking every family, at least one a family, if you can get one, um, just to get one of the books uh, to go along with the series. And this will be a great resource for you, give you an idea of what to talk about. Even in the back, I thought it was really cool. In the back, they even have some of these, um, you can pull off these cards, and they're little memory verses that you can kind of put on, and they, they're perforated, so they'll pull out really easily, some scripture cards and stuff like that. So just a really great resource. Um, we sell these for $10 inside of our group. We sell them for you what we get them for, so we're not making any money on them. Um, but you can get them, and uh, we hopefully you can get this to be a good resource. Anybody want one of these books right now? Anybody would want, like, I'll read it. If, I, if you promise me you'll read it, I'll give it to you. If you can get up here now, I'll get it to you. I'm just, come on, somebody, come on. I don't, whoever wants to. Come on. Like, it's like a price is right. There we go. Awesome. There you go. Blessings. Blessings. Come on. Give it up for her. She got a nice little, little book. So um, highly encourage you to go do that. And then make sure you're part. If you're not a part of a group, please get in one. Um, we're going to help you do that as well. It'll be in our sermon today. If you already have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to be. Why? Why talk about seeds? Why talk about seeds? Well, number one, um, honestly, seeds are important to God. 
Seeds are incredibly important to God. God has a lot to say about seeds in, uh, all throughout the Bible. And, um, and, and you'll, you'll see that as he kind of talks about why. Here's why I really think God cares about seeds. It's because he cares about potential. Every one of you have a potential inside of you. Every one of you have something God gave inside of you, like a seed that has been planted inside of you. And we, our job as a church is to really, honestly, steward that, water it. We want to see you grow, do the things that God called you to do and be who God called you to be. Second, um, a seed grows into a tree. And if you read the Bible, I've been studying scripture for 20 years. I mean, if you read the Bible, you'll notice that um, seeds grow into trees. And trees are the third most common theme um, inside of scripture. God uses trees and seeds all the time to kind of describe and, um, and talk about it. Thirdly, Jesus loved uh, parables. He taught through parables, and most of his parables featured seeds. And you want to know why? Is because he was talking to primarily an agricultural society, so they were used to seed time and harvest. They would have fields. So it was not uncommon for them to be able to walk that out with some type of seed vernacular. Uh, fourth, God calls his word a seed. He talks about it in Isaiah chapter 55 that the word of God is like a seed that'll go down deep inside of you. And if you allow it, it'll go inside of you and it'll bring forth great fruit. So sometimes when you're going through things, you know, you'll be able to actually recall a verse or if you're having a tough day, you're able to go, man, I am an overcomer. God is for me. And who can be against me? Man, I, I, I'm the head and not the tail. You're able to walk through and bring things up and out of you in such a great way. Why? Because the word of God is a seed. And finally, honestly, God calls Jesus Jesus is seed, that he's going to be a seed of life to this world and that we're going to have to really walk through some things and God's going to be the person that actually brings back through a harvest through his son, Jesus Christ. And so Matthew chapter 13 really highlights this kind of key theme that we're all talking about this for this series. And the theme is this, simply this, God wants you to grow. He does. He wants you to grow in your relationships. He wants you to grow in your, your, your wisdom. He wants you to grow in your finances. He wants you to grow with your, with your kids. He wants you to grow with your health. He wants you to grow. It's not whether or not God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow, and you can grow if you're willing. So the question I have for you this week, if you can stick with us for the next six weeks, this is going to be an incredible time for our church where we can really, we did this two years ago where we had a church-wide campaign, we call them campaigns. It's going to change the church. It's going to change your life if you allow it. And my hope is that you would allow it. So Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking and teaching one of the most famous parables in all throughout Scripture. And I'm going to read it for you, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, verse 3, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. There's our word of the day. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds ate them. Other seeds fell on a shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. The plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds, they fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. Or, you know, some translations say 100-fold. You know, it's kind of King James, King Jimmy talks like that. And then verse 9, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Should listen and understand. So to summarize, God says, look, the Word of God... In fact, this, this, this parable is a, what they call a meta-parable. It's a parable about parables. It's Jesus setting up his teaching strategy. He's saying, look, God's always speaking. He's always speaking. It's not, the question is not whether or not God is speaking. The question is, do we not just hear him, do we understand him? And so Jesus is talking about how to understand the voice of God in your life. And then he explains it. He actually has this moment where Jesus doesn't do this often, but he does it in this case. He actually explains it because the disciples are like, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? Anybody ever had that with God where you're reading the Bible and you're like, God, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus actually answers the question, what he's talking about in verse 19. He says, the seed then fell on the 
footpath represents those who, this is so good, because this is for those of you who've been like saved since Noah and Moses was on the earth, okay? Y'all really good. You know a lot. You've heard this parable before, right? You get it. I want you to hear this in a fresh way, fresh revelation, not information. He says, it represents those who hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Better said, maybe, is their misunderstanding, their misunderstanding, their misunderstanding allowed the enemy to come steal away what was rightfully theirs. And I want to walk through, maybe, and talk about how, how do you how do you understand the word of God? How, what keeps us from understanding the word of God? And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you that we're here. Thank you that we're in a free country. We can worship and serve you. Thank you, God, that you have a word for us. God, I know I've prepared a message, but truthfully, God, you've, you've prepared a message for us personally. Holy Spirit, you do now what you can do. And I pray that I'd get out of the way. I pray that, that we would hear your words and your voice in this moment. Let that be the, the desire and the cry of our hearts today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. I, um, how many would say in here have ever had a problem communicating your feelings, something that you felt? Just come on, raise your hand if you're like me where you have a problem. Come on, I mean, most people, like you have deodorant on, raise your hand, come on, so I don't feel alone up here. Okay, great. Some of, isn't it true that sometimes, and honestly, the more emotional, the more problematic the issue, the more hyped up or angry I might get, the harder it is for me to communicate my feelings. I think that's a universal truth in all humans. My wife and I love, we have five young boys under the age of, I have 15 year old down to six, who's six years older. My son Winston, my little one is six years old today. So if you see him, he's got a little birthday boy symbol on and he runs around thinking he owns the joint. And I'm like, you don't start working. I put my kids to work at six. So, uh, uh, but they, um, he, I have a 15-year-old down to six. And what we like to do is we like to go on family vacations. And so what my family does, because there's so many of us, you know, for us to go on an airplane, it would cost us, you know, $78,000. So we don't, we don't really take the plane. We take the car. So we get everybody in the Suburban, and we, uh, we tend to go places. Well, oftentimes, you know, when we go to a place, especially in the summertime, we go to our family vacation spot. It takes us two days to get there. We go. We travel one day. We stay at a place, and then we travel to our ultimate destination. Well, one time, we woke up. It was a summertime vacation. We were all excited. And then the night before, everybody was really, really happy. My wife was really happy. I was really happy. Kids were excited. We get up the next morning, and I don't know if it's like this in your house, but sometimes they just wake up, not on the wrong side of the bed, the wrong side of the earth. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, they're just the worst. Everybody's mad. Everybody's saying, my teenagers are mad. They wake up mad. Teenagers, can I just tell y'all something? Y'all are moody. Y'all are just moody. There's sometimes y'all wake up and you're just moody. And it's like, I don't, I ask my kids sometimes, like, sons, why are y'all, because I have twin 15-year-olds, I'm like, so why are you mad? They're like, we don't even know, dad. We're just mad, mad at the world. And they close the door. And I'm like, I, what was that all about? You know, now, now I'm mad that you're mad that you don't know why you're mad. So it's just bad. So they woke up, they were upset. My younger ones were mad. They were upset about something. I had, I fed one of my children in this morning. I fed them. They literally were done eating. When they were done eating, they got up and looked at me and said, dad, I'm hungry. I'm like, what? What is wrong with you? Like, why? What, what, what planet do you get to eat and then eat again? Like, I'm trying 
you know, to, to keep you alive at this point, but fine, we'll feed you again. So then the littlest one, he was in a bad mood. Everybody's just in a bad mood. We get a pile of in the car, and it was bad from the moment we got on the, I mean, honestly, on the road. Everybody was screaming and mad. Everybody was upset. My wife was frustrated. The kids are fighting. Everybody's like, don't touch me. I got one kid over there. He's not done the seatbelt on. He's moving in the front. There's food being thrown. I'm like, this is chaos. I'm, I'm, you, when we start off the trip, you want to say, I'll turn this car right? Come on. Didn't that not make any sense to you when you were a kid? Like when you're a, a kid and your mom and dad threaten to turn the car around, you're like, why? Why would you want to turn? It's not that big of a deal. But when you're an adult and you have kids, it makes all the sense in the world. Because honestly, all the thousands of dollars you want to spend on that vacation, it doesn't matter. You're like, who cares? I'll give it away if I don't have to deal with this nonsense. That's how it was. I'm just giving you a, a snapshot into the suburban. So we're driving over to the suburban. We get to the, to the hotel, get everybody out, we get there and we're having to unpack some of our luggage because we didn't put our bag where we needed to put the, you know, the overnight bag. So we get the stinking bag out, the luggage, kids are crying, everybody's upset, people are hungry. So we get inside the hotel room, we go to bed. So it's, all right, we get people fed, we go to bed. Finally, all right, we're going to wake up. And the next morning we wake up and honestly, it felt like a new people came into our house. Like it was new family. I have new children because they were happy. Everything was great. People were excited. They're like, man, this is going to be good. Things are going great. Everything's going great. So we get down to the bottom and we're in the thing and we're like, I love you, son. And dad. they're like, we love you, father. You know, they start speaking in different languages and we're like, oh, great. And everything's like, it's almost like just the heavens open up. Everything was good. And so we get until we get to the car. We get into the car. And everybody's starting to pile in. And we realize my calf, my kids don't have their shoes on. Does your kids have problems putting shoes on? Like my children, they don't put their shoes on. So we get into the car and my wife is on the side. I'm sitting in the car because I don't want to get into the, my wife's world, right? Because ladies, y'all know like when, 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 when you're flowing with the kids, the worst thing a man can do and a husband can do is come get up in the business of it, right? Because we think we're going to come in and try to take care of hand. I'm going to take over and handle business. So I learned a long time ago, my wife's doing something with the kids, just leave them alone. So I'm sitting in the front on ESPN and I can hear in the back my wife's vo voice get higher and higher and angrier and the tone starts to change and y'all ladies have a tone where you kind of get to the point where y'all know what it is it's like where you say you say something like i have had enough yep exactly you know exactly what i'm talking about she gets that level her pitch is at a certain level and i'm like i'm about to turn over on my kids and be like y'all better just i'm telling you you don't want none of that you don't want none of that <laughs> I hear it all the time. You don't want none of it. I can barely handle it, and I'm a man. You can't handle that. You better calm down. And so I'm about to turn around, and my wife's like, move your feet, because she's trying to move the feet of my children and put, like, a cooler in and stuff like that. I'm like, babe, how you doing? She's like, shut up. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, all right, so she moved the feet. And she's like, move your feet, move your feet. And she says one last time, she's just at the end of her end, and she goes, move your feet, move it. You can't have feet. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Because when you cross a line in your mind, right, you just start saying random stuff that comes out of your mouth. And when she told my kid they couldn't have feet, my children looked at me and I was like, I, I don't know. Like, don't do it. Like, just whatever she wants, just move. Like, go sit in the back in the trunk. Don't get away. You know, and because... She had gotten to a level where she, and my, they're like, we don't understand. I'm like, I know, I don't understand. Just say she's lovely, and we love her, and she's amazing. I'm going to feed her right now. Like, we're going to get you food. So I get her into the passenger seat, and we're driving. I'm like, hey, babe, how's it going? She goes, don't ask me how I'm going, Aaron. We're driving near you with your kids. Suddenly, they're my kids. They're not her. She had nothing to do with it. 
because it's hard to communicate sometimes when you're frustrated. It's hard to communicate to kids and people in general. Like, have you ever had a misunderstanding with somebody in your life? Like, be honest. Like, you had a misunderstanding with your neighbor, you know, like where you're supposed to cut the lawn and out the right line, you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, yeah. And you thought he told you to keep cutting into his line, and then you guys got into a fight, you know, or like you had a fight with your kids because they didn't understand you, or your boss had, you had a miscommunication. Anybody have a miscommunication with their boss this week by any stretch? Of the okay, yeah. Now, you thought what you said they heard you, and they didn't, or they thought, come on, that you heard them, and what you heard was something completely different. I mean, it's easy to have a miscommunication with your spouse, with your family. If it's easy to miscommunicate with people, how much easier is it to miscommunicate with God? I mean, the truth is, is I've never seen God. I'm a pastor. I figured if he was going to show himself to anybody, hopefully it would be me as I work for the guy. <laughs> but I've never seen God. I've never had a burning television set that didn't get consumed. I've never had the heavens open up. I've never seen the Lord shining in front of me. I don't know what it's like. I've never, I've never seen him, but yet I try to communicate with him, and I know he's trying to communicate with me, and it's easy. It's just easy to have a miscommunication with God. It's hard to understand him sometimes, and, and honestly, what I really feel like, and this is kind of the, the, the thesis of the message, is what, what keeps us from understanding, I think, with God especially, is the hardness of our heart. It's the hardness of our heart. My mom, she used to teach me growing up. She said, we want to have thick skin, Aaron, and soft heart. Thick skin and soft heart. You ought to be able to take a punch, right? I like to say, like to take a licking and keep on ticking, right? Like you can take it. By the way, Christians aren't weak. We're, we're not, meekness is not weakness in the Bible. It's not, just because you're meek doesn't mean you're weak. Weakness has nothing to do with Christianity. I hate the, some of the pictures that portray Jesus as like really like downtrodden and like really super skinny and doesn't like think any, you know, it's like, dude, man, Jesus was a man. Like, he was about that muscle life, I promise you. You couldn't be in the construction world without being a man. Like, Jesus was strong. Being a Christian means strength. And sometimes, when we communicate with God and God communicates with us, there can be a level of misunderstanding. In fact, Paul talks about it, the hardness of our heart, and that we can be both strong but also be closed off. He says this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, They are darkened in their understanding. They being, meaning the Gentiles. They meaning people who knew about God but didn't know God. That's a lesson to some of us who are maybe religious. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe you, you've known the things of God. Maybe you're really good at checking off the religious boxes, but you don't actually know the God of the box you're checking. And he says, there's Gentiles, these people, they're, they're, they're darkened in their understanding. They miss it when God speaks. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. He said, this is why, this is the whole purpose due to their hardness of heart. That their hardened hearts keep them from hearing what God's actually trying to say to them. Matthew 13 shows us with Jesus who speaks yet again about the same type of heart calling it the footpath. He said the seed fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Everybody say footpath. Yeah, footpath means you've been trampled on. You've been beaten down. You've had some pain. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in here. You've been through some stuff. And your heart has been hardened to the point where you cannot 
and will not hear the voice of the Lord. I was hiking, and, and I noticed about hiking paths. I'm going to show you a picture. What I noticed about the hiking path is that you, you, it's such a unique juxtaposition if you look at it. You have the path that most people have walked on in the middle, but what's so interesting is right next to it is a land full of fruitfulness and prosperity and goodness and hope and life, and yet right next to it, there's nothing. Do you see the difference? And Jesus is highlighting it almost as a clear picture saying, this is the body of Christ if you're not careful. This is humanity if you're not careful. You're going to be around people who, who flourish and at the same time be around people who couldn't do it if seed got thrown onto them. And that speaks to some of us who have gone to church your whole life or maybe you've heard the message of Jesus your whole life or you've, had, you've opened up this book called the Bible and you listen to God but, and it goes on top of you but it doesn't go in you. And you wonder why things never change and why things look like the same they did the day you woke up before. Come on, so I'm speaking to somebody in here because you're confused. You've been going to church your whole life but nothing grows. It's because you've really been trampled on. Something has happened in your life. Potential is there. But the hardness of your heart has made it barren and unfruitful. And I really believe that it, in this life, we're going to have to fight three spirits that harden our heart. I want to highlight them for us today. That I think if we can just know who they are, then I think you can actually come into agreement against them by the power of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that there's something in all of us where we're going to have to fight these three spirits maybe once, twice, maybe every day you wake up to keep your heart from becoming the footpath and actually keeping your heart where it's fruitful and God can change and do things inside of your life. First spirit today I want to highlight, number one, is this. The first spirit to get past, to fight, is the spirit of offense. Spirit of offense. These are people who they don't understand. Here's why. They don't understand because they're too offended by something that has happened to them. Something happened in their life. Something went wrong. There was an accusation. There was a slander moment. There was betrayal. There was pain. Someone got hurt. Someone hurt hurt you. And in that pain and in that hurt, you have developed an offense. And the truth is, some I, think, I think some churches get this wrong. Like They teach the word of God as in like, if you got offended, then just ignore it. Pretend like it's not good and God will cover it up. No, no, no. no that's, that's not the word of God. No, something happened to you. You have every right to be in pain. Something was inflicted into your life. But the word of God says it doesn't have to stop there. That actually someone came by 
and stomped on your life and trampled, and you could look like a trail. I know plenty of people who should have a trail in their heart. It should be hardened. It should be broken. There should be no life, but they don't allow it to happen. They still let God come in and till up that ground because they haven't allowed the offense to stick in their hearts. So I'm not saying you didn't have something go on in your life, but hardened hearts, I'm telling you, the danger of offense is that hardened hearts, man, and offense, they don't allow for the word of God to go in. I've met people who come into the church and they're like, hear the same sermon? I preach the same message to all of you. You all hear the same words. And it's amazing that as people walk out, I ask them, hey, how, how was today? Yeah, how, you do? how was your experience with me? And some people are on the scale of, oh, you know, it's good. You know, which is really like, well, I've heard better. You know, I'm like, thanks. I'll try harder next time. <laughs> some people are like, God, man, that was great. I thought it was good. Some people are like, you were speaking right to me. And here's the funny thing. They're all the same words. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's all the same message. Yet it meant something different to some people because I've met people who come into church and before I even preach, you're mad. <laughs> you're already offended at me because of the last preacher who offended you. Yeah. And so the, the word could be good, but it ain't going into you because you're too offended at the last pastor who promised you something and didn't deliver. Or the last church that said we were going to love you forever and then you, you sinned, you did something wrong, and they actually called you out on it and then you got offended about it. That's, that's a good one. I get a lot. Or somebody betrayed you and, and you're stuck in your world where I know people who go into marriages, second marriages, bringing their old offense of their first marriage. I mean, this is not abnormal. Spirit of offense is a big spirit. And if you're not careful, it's not just that you get offended. It's that you get offended and then offense produces bitterness. And bitterness in the Bible is Greek. The Greek word for bitterness is pekria. It actually means to have an embittered or resentful spirit. The problem with offense is that it eventually leads you to resentment. Resentment actually limits your ability to hear the voice of God. It actually limits all potential in your life. Because the moment you resent something or someone, that's when you stop actually being able to receive from them. That's why the, uh, you know, most studies say for marriage, the one thing you want to stay away from in your marriage is resentment. Because the moment you resent that person, it's almost like it, this, is, this is untenable. Because you've allowed your heart to harden so hard that they couldn't, even if they're doing good things, you don't allow it to come into you. You don't receive it. Ephesians talks about it, and Paul speaks to this bitterness idea. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Why does he say that? He says, because you, you, if you're not careful, you better trash that bitterness, or that bitterness will ultimately trash you. Like, it'll get up in your life and ruin every potential you had. Did you see the footpath? There was no difference between. The climate was the same. But because they were offended and their hearts were hardened, their potential was limited. And if your growth, remember we talked about the thesis of the sermon, sermon was that God wants you to grow. And if you want to grow, you, you can grow if you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you allow it. If you're growth oriented in here, you don't have time to, 
to give attention to offense. You know that, right? Like, you've got to think of your life and your experience and your energy and your time as like a, a limited resource, which means you, you can't give any more of your limited resource to the offense that's inside of your heart. The more you give to that, the more that grows, the less the thing that should be growing should be growing. Hello? Let's water the good things and make sure we're not, man, we're not caught in what I call the bitterness struggle. Bitter people produce bitter families. They produce bitter cultures. They produce bitter talk. They produce bitter children. They produce bitter marriages. Why? Because bitter roots always produce bitter fruits. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in it. Second, second one is this, spirit of pride. So maybe, maybe you don't understand God. It's not offense that's in your heart. Maybe it's pride. The spirit of pride can jump up on you. And this is what's interesting. People who struggle with the spirit of pride, honestly, are people who don't understand because they, don't, they think it's for someone else. Like when the word of God goes out, they're like, well, that ain't for me. That's for someone else. Like they literally think, good word goes out, seeds being tossed. And they're like, man, I'm going to gather all this seed. I'm going to go give it to someone. I call it the Sunday morning syndrome. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'll give you an example. Because maybe you don't. So I'll be outside. You know, I shake hands, talk to people as they come in. Hey, how's it going? You know, they're like, they come out, and they always say that this is the grace. You know, this is the they walk up. Pastor, woo! That was good. It's powerful. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. About time somebody recognized around here. You know, thank you. Golly. Good. They're like, it's so good. Somebody I know needs to hear that message. So I went ahead and I bookmarked it on Spotify. I'm going to send it to them right now. I got five people right now who needs to see it. They're going to watch it. It's good. It's for them. Trust me. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I never, you know what I say? You can't tell you what I say. I said, oh, that's so good. Thank you, man. It's awesome, man. Love, you know, God, God bless. Bless you. <laughs> Go with God. And uh, you know what I want to say? You know what I really want to say to him? It's for you. We're like, I don't know about you, but my muscle that allows me to do this is really strong. Strong. I'm telling you, I can do. Are you paying attention? Right now, he's talking about you. No. I'm talking about you. Come on, y'all, who be like, Writing the notes, and you're driving home, you're like, honey, did you hear what the pastor said? I want to make sure that it really touched me, but I think it was for you. Yeah, oh, you didn't? I wrote every word. Let me read it to you. He was actually talking about when the husband doesn't pick up his clothes. And that basically means you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Did you hear that part? I'm pretty sure that's my translation of what the pastor said. Why? Because the spirit of pride got upon you and you'd be like, you don't need it. You, you know what pride does? Pride makes you arrogant to think that you need no one and nobody. Including God. Including your boss. Including your pastor. Including your leaders. Including your wife. By the way, I say this pretty regularly. I feel like I'm a fighter for women's rights, at least. A, one time, every once in a while. Because if you read the Bible, it does say wisdom is a woman. Babe, 
That was my wife. So if your wife happens to say something to you, I mean, if I'm in your camp, right? Like, I have no dog in the hunt. I got no vested interest in whether or not you're going to make it or not with your wife. But if you want to make it, you should probably listen once in a while, at least. And, and the danger, I think, is that pride will get up in you, and you think that word that went out was for someone else, but it was really for you. They'll keep you from hearing the voice of God in your life with your money, with your kids, with your finances, with your health. Like, you know, we do this all the time. Like we, do, we do it all the time. We, me, me, I do it. We do it. We do it all the time. I, I, I'll, get, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, the other day, I was, um, I've been working on my teeth lately, so I've been doing like Invisalign and braces and stuff. And, and what I realized is that um, when you do stuff like that, you got to brush your teeth and keep your mouth clean all the time because otherwise you get cavities and stuff. And so, um, like, I felt like I was a complete animal with my teeth before compared to what I am now. I think I have the cleanest mouth in North America. Let me just tell you. I brush my teeth so much. All day long, mouthwash, tooth, you know, flossing and picking, and I have the gum thing. I mean, I'm telling you, I water pick. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, if they swabbed my mouth, they'd be like, this is not a human mouth. <laughs> it's that clean. And, um... So the other day, my, my tongue started to be real raw. And I was like, man, this hurts. I feel like there was cuts in it, and it was real tender. I said, babe, listen, my tongue hurts. She goes, well, what's, what'd you do? Did you bite it or something? I said, no, nah, it's been fine. It just started hurting. She goes, well, tell me, tell me your routine. I said, well, I, you know, I brush my teeth like 87 times a day. <laughs> She goes, well, what do you do? I go, I go, but it's not my teeth, my tongue. She goes, well, what else? I said, well, I mouthwash. She goes, well, how much do you mouthwash? I go, you know, seven times a day. And she goes, what's wrong with you? And I said, that's a loaded question. Like, what? I, lots of things, I guess. But what do you mean? She goes, you're not supposed to mouthwash that much. It'll actually hurt your mouth. And I said, that sounds foolish. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not an expert. I don't trust you. You don't know me. You know, you start getting offended, right? Like, I know some of y'all struggle with like one of these spirits at a time. I do all three really, really well at the same time. I'm like, you don't know me. My mouth is clean. And I walked out, you know, and I got mad. I said, I'm going to go talk to a real, an expert who knows what they're talking about. I'm going to talk to a dentist. I walked up, talked to my dentist. I'm like, hey, man, here's what's going on in my mouth. He goes, well, tell me about what you do. I said, well, I mouthwash a bunch of times. He goes, well, that's your problem. You're not supposed to be mouthwashing so much. I said, did you talk to my wife? <laughs> right? Like, when, did she call here? When she called, did, tell me when she called. He goes, I didn't talk to her. He goes, everybody knows that. Only dumb people mouthwash their mouth. Like, he starts insulting me. I'm like, oh, I was just kidding. That's not what I do. I was just, that was a theory. You know, I just, spirit of lying jumps on you. You know, whatever. <laughs> And so I want, she wanted to be, look, she wanted to be in right. The only difference was there was a spirit of pride up in me going like, she, she ain't, this ain't for me. She's trying to throw seed. I'm trying to help you. Wisdom is a woman. She used, to, she used that against me at house the whole time. She goes, you preach about it. Wisdom is a woman. You should be listening. I'm like, don't use my messages against me. Don't use my, you know, you know. question you got to ask yourself, do you have a spirit of pride? 
Third one is this, and I'm done. Spirit of ignorance. These are the people who have, they say, like, I have no idea what you're talking about because I really don't know what you're talking about. I don't even understand what you're saying, God. God, you're saying stuff that I don't really, there's something lost in the translation. And these are people who don't understand because they just genuinely don't have a relationship with God. Because, here's, a, here's an interesting thing about God. Like, um, because some of you in here don't know the Lord. Then you're not in a relationship with Christ. You don't have, a, you're not what would be considered a Christian. By the way, you're so welcome. You can come here every day you want, as much as you want. You would never, this, in fact, I, we created church for you. We don't even do church for Christians here. We do church for non-Christians. We've been unashamed about that from the beginning. But, but like, if, you've been, if you don't know God, you don't know his, the kingdom has a language. It has a way. And so if you don't know that language, there could be something lost in translation. I, um, I like to cook in my house. And I drive home every day. When I drive home, I drive past this really cool little tiny little Mexican meat market. And uh, it's a cool little market. And um, when I first moved to the area five or six years ago, it was, um, it was there and it stood the test of time. And then during COVID, I was really scared that it was going to go out of business. And I was like, oh, I don't want to see you. Because, you know, all these businesses were going out because they couldn't do business. So I would make a point to stop by every day on my way home to buy something, something from them, as much groceries as I can from them, because I just, I just wanted to support the small business. And... Um, and so we started coming in. But every time I go in there, like, I walk in, and they're like, hola. And then they start speaking in Spanish to me. Now, I know my last name is Grijalva, and I am Mexican, and all my family speaks Spanish. I am the one embarrassing member of my family that does not speak Spanish. So people will look at me and assume I speak Spanish. And so for the most of my life with them and my time with them, I would walk in and I could kind of fake it till I make it. So they would talk to me like, I'm like, hey, how's it going? They're like, you know, they're hey, hey, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, that one right there too, you know, dose, you know, I'd be some, I, I can get along, you know, for, for long periods of time, they would just be talking to me and I'm like, don't know anything they're saying. But I would go in because this is my people. And, um, like, you're going to make it in this place, you know? And so one day I go in, and he starts asking me deeper questions, and I couldn't fake it anymore, you know? Because he would stop me. He goes, and he would say something in Spanish, like, do you know what I'm saying? And I was like, and I finally had to confess, right? You know, because you're finally like, hey, man. like, And, like, because I'm Mexican and I can't speak Spanish, it's kind of embarrassing, so I put my head down. I'm one of them, you know. You're right, I should speak. I got to learn it. I, you're right. I'm getting Rosetta Stone on my phone right now. I'm head down. I'm like, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't speak Spanish. He goes, he goes, man, why didn't you tell me that before? I can speak English. And I was like, oh, my, my bad. So, so the question, so, 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 so what happened was my understanding and therefore my experience was limited because I couldn't understand the language. Let me say it again. My understand, my experience with this place was limited because I didn't understand the language. And I promise you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, 
your relationship with, with Christ produces a language because the kingdom has a language. And we start saying things that like will not make sense to you if you're not one of us. So here's an example. Let's say you lost your job and you show up to church and you talk to somebody who loves the Lord and you tell us you lost your job because we want to be real here at Rise. And you say, man, I lost my job. And they say stuff to you like, man, God's got a good spot for you then. You're going to make it. Something's going to happen. You're going to have a better place. That wasn't for you. You got a new place for you. If you don't speak that language, what you do is you don't understand. You're like, what do you mean? I lost my job. My life's in shambles. I'm ruined. I'm not going to have any money. And they don't get it either because they're like, oh, that ain't our language. Actually, God's going to work something out. And then some miracle is going to happen. And you're going to be in the best job you ever got. And then you're going to come back into church. And you're going to have a testimony because of your test. Like, you got to have something. And they're going to be like, oh, because that's the language of the kingdom. And if you don't understand it, it's going to limit your experience with God. The word of God won't go in. I like to ask people, when they ask me, talk to them. I like this question I like to ask them. They say, I say, hey man, or, or, or woman like, of God, like, hey, what do you believe in God for? That's the question I like to ask people. It gives me an insight to their faith. And you know the number one response I hear from people is, what does that even mean? What does that mean? And it re- I grew up in a church that believed God could do the impossible. You didn't. Or if you did, you, you forgot. Or if you did, something happened that hardened your heart to believe God for big things. And so I'll explain to them. You know what I mean by that is, um, what do you believe in God to do that only he could do that you can't do yourself? I'm speaking faith. I got big dreams. I'm not trying to just make it with my spouse. I want my, my I want my life. I want to wake up every. You know my dream for my spouse, my wife and I. I want to wake up every day, look in her eyes, and fall more in love with her that day. And then I want her to wake up and open her eyes and look past my eye boogers and my crazy hair, and fall more in love with me that day. Like I want. That's the dream I have. Does that happen every day? No. But that's my dream. I'm believing God by faith that my kids are going to love and serve him their whole lives. I'm believing God by faith that my finances will be better in the future than they are right now. I'm believing God by faith that our church. I have a home. I can't do it. But by faith, God can. So like, what, what, what are you believing God for? And if you don't understand language. It'll limit your experience with God. So the question you have to ask yourself is what do I do in light of these spirits? Can I just give you a, a, a cheat code? Anybody ever play video games when you were growing up? They had like these books. They used to sell them in books. Now you, they just, it's online. But they used to have cheat codes in books and they would help you win the game. God gave us a cheat code for these spirits in life and it's called Family. 
We call it spiritual family. It's called the church. It's called the local body of Christ where people can come in and help you get through some of these things. Because honestly, I'm not strong enough to fight any of these by myself. I needed somebody to come in when I had a spirit of offense and say, Aaron, you know you can let that go. Let's pray right now. Let that go. When I had a spirit of pride in me, that Aaron, you're better than that. You're better than that. You're better than that. When I had a spirit of ignorance where some pastor and leaders come in and speak life into me, Aaron, you need to know this. This is the language of the king. Come on. And when I did that, I had somebody in my life. So if you don't have that in your life, then if I'm in your position, you better get up in a small group. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm being dead serious. This, to me, is life and death, so this is a serious moment. This is not like, we'll get into a group whenever we feel like it. No. When everything, have you ever noticed that the perfect time never comes? Like when my kids are not in school and then I have to do this and then when like I'm, I have certain age, it, something's always going to be there to keep you from getting into a group. I already asked the Lord if you should be in one. He said yes. <laughs> so here's, what I'll, here's, here's my challenge for you. Go to the group's booth after service. Like if I'm a pastor to you in any way, Go to the group's booth after service. If you can't do that, just text groups to 21075. Come up and Josh Hinkley will walk you into a group. We will literally, me and him will walk you to, we'll pick you up in the morning and drive you to your group. Like, I'm trying to help you. Like, do you hear the passion? Get in a group. It's not for me. It's for you. So that you can walk in community with other believers. Your best life is on the... If you're going to win some of these battles, you're going to need somebody to be in your, in your camp. You're going to need to establish a little bit of an army. So get in a group. So text that number. We'll chase you down. Or you can make it easy on yourself. Because we will chase you down. That's how serious we are about it. Or you can make it easy on yourself and just walk back there. And there's amazing people who want to get you into a group. And if you do that, I promise you, I, I really believe I really believe it. It's going to be a good, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for today. I thank you, Lord, that you spoke to us. There's a clear word in your scripture, Lord, about we need family. You send help through your word and your help comes through people. So I pray that everyone would find a place for them to fit in and get into. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you're moving in the hearts of people and that these spirits will not be, will not take root in our hearts. In Jesus' name.